When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, and welcome back to another breakdown. So tonight, I was very excited to start off the first watch party of the year with The Bad Batch, Season 2, Episode 1 and 2. So we start off Season 2, Episode 1 on a tropical planet with crabs chasing Wrecker, Echo, and Hunter, while Tech and Omega are in the ship keeping watch. She's begun studying with Tech, who's got her learning all the Imperial ships and their ins and outs. So it's clear that each member of the Bad Batch will be coaching her on their respective specialties. I'm guessing, you know, Wrecker maybe on strength training, or Tech on studious and electronic things, as we saw, Hunter on hunting, perhaps, and combat, and Echo on, well, I guess a combination of everything. More to tell about that later. As the crew escape narrowly, Omega comes in clutch with her bow and arrow, which is something that the Night Sisters used in the Clone Wars. If you don't know about the Night Sisters were rumored to learn more about them in the Ahsoka show, and they were using a lot of magic. They didn't use the Force so much, but used more so magic. And they were like witches. That's what made them pretty interesting in the show. And so this bow and arrow is something that I would like to see more of in the future, and to see more about its heritage and its rich history. The crew get back to Sid and deliver the cargo, so we know that they were just on a mission from Sid once again, just to kind of fill their pockets and continue on. As they enter the cantina, we see an arcade game with a phase 2 clone trooper helmet on it. I thought this was fun to point out. They meet Sid's new friend, Fee, a trustworthy pirate, which really doesn't mean much, and she kind of starts the episode off with the next heist, and then Sid starts to explain more. Now, if I may say, I do hope, now that they're talking about pirates, to see more of Honda Onaka. He's such a unique character, and I feel like the show would really benefit by having him in there. So, Fee does mention this next mission, and the mission is something that Sid explains. She says their next mission is to go to Sereno, particularly Castle Sereno, which is Count Dooku's former home home, it's his palace. Now some of you may wonder, why Dooku lived in a castle, which doesn't really seem too humble for someone who used to be a Jedi Master. So Dooku was royalty, and if you want to learn more about Dooku, you can read Dark Disciple, but particularly I would pick up Dooku Jedi Lost. Dooku was born into royalty, and he was the Count of Sereno. When he gave up being a Jedi, he resumed his official title of Count and went back to his castle. Once he became the leader of the Separatist army, or rather I should say the face of it, he accumulated wealth beyond his royal family's worth from all of the worlds that he conquered, including his own people of Sereno. That's right, he was pretty scummy that way. Sid explains the Empire is raiding his castle and taking all of his relics and riches. The Bad Batch are to take some of the treasure of Dooku's castle, which would be more money than all of their past jobs combined. And she makes a good point. She says that once the Empire makes their way over here to her and shut her down, the boys won't get any more jobs. So this may be something worth risking, even though the Empire's after them. So with Crosshair and the Empire knowing exactly who they are, being part of Clone Force 99, and knowing that they are indeed out there, at least Crosshair does at this point, which we'll see at the end of Episode 2 with Ramparts and everything, that the boys still are around, and the Empire is definitely looking for them. Maybe not all of the Empire, 
but I would say the higher up personnel's. So as they head to Sereno, Echo mentions that hiding is not the way to live, and he says this to Hunter, and Hunter explains that they're living like this for Omega's safety, and Echo blames everything on Omega, saying that they have their own lives too, which is true, he has a point, but at the end of the day, Hunter is the leader of the crew and he calls the shots. Omega is like a daughter to him at this point and he's not going to abandon her or jeopardize her safety. Of course, Omega hears this and she gets very sad. Landing on Sereno, they notice Sereno's city is quite destroyed and it's because the Empire did the same thing they did here that they did on Kamino at Topoka City. They destroyed it. The clones are already moving a ton of the cargo with Imperial escort ships. Now, this only happens when something of immense value is being transported that requires that level of security, as mentioned in the show. Now, look, the things Dooku collected as the leader of the Separatist army are, of course, beyond any of our comprehension, but the things that he collected in his days as a Jedi and Sith are really what I think is the most interesting and probably what Palpatine wants the most of. The holocrons and Jedi-Sith artifacts go far beyond just money and trivial things of credit value that he accumulated as leader of the Separatists. The crew break into one of the containers and start to rummage through as they find jewels and treasure. The boys say Dooku took all of this from the worlds that he conquered through his corruption when Omega says, isn't that what we're doing? Which is true, I mean, they're kind of no better in a sense, but from a certain point of view, I guess we could say. However, a good reply in response to that is where she's told it depends what they do with the treasure that defines their level of corruption, I guess we could say, or their intent, which separates them from Dooku. Now, as much as I love Dooku as a character, and I think he was really cool, he was pretty corrupt at the end of the day. He did have his reasons for leaving the Jedi, absolutely, especially as we learned more in Tales of the Jedi, but his way of doing things by joining Sidious and being the leader of the Separatists really wasn't the best option. I don't think Qui-Gon Jinn would have followed the same path, but of course that's a different conversation for a different time. You guys are here for the breakdown, so let's continue. As the clones eventually discover a heist is happening, Omega, Echo, and Tech get separated from Wrecker and Hunter, as the three are trapped in the container, which is about to leave orbit. When Wrecker and Hunter try to catch a ride on it, they realize it's a bad idea and they jump off, landing them at the top of Dooku's palace where they're getting shot at by all the clones down below. So they get into his headquarters, and this was really sweet to see. This is the very same HQ that we saw plenty of times in the Clone Wars where Dooku handled many of his affairs, including when he got that gnarly curse put on him by the Night Sister, Mother Talzin herself. Now, if you guys haven't read the comic run Son of Dathomir, I highly recommend it. It really goes into a lot of detail with Maul between season five and six after she got captured by Sidious. And it's basically Maul, Dooku, Grievous, Palpatine, and what I like to call the Maul DeLoreans, all in one big comic run, which I think was really fun to see. Omega, Tech, and Echo make their way through the ship, and one thing you'll notice is that they put their blasters into stun only, whereas the clones executing Order 66 are shooting to terminate. This is a nice, subtle touch as it tells us they don't want to kill their brothers, and they recognize that their violence is not their doing, but rather the brainwashing of Order 66, and ultimately, the inhibitor chip in their heads. Hunter and Wrecker use Dooku's lift and descend out of the blaster fire after throwing a smoke bomb, while Echo, Tech, and Omega make their way through the ship and successfully disengage all the massive crates full of Dooku's treasure, sending them speeding to Sereno at an increasing velocity that will definitely end in their impending doom as Omega screams in fear. They crash land towards the ground of Sereno. 
The thrusters finally turn on at the last moment, providing them a somewhat safer landing as they communicate with Hunter and Wrecker who are escaping Dooku's palace and heading into the city to hide, which kind of could be speculated as the ruins of war. Omega and the boys are in the upper forest region of the planet. After crash landing, Tech breaks his leg, his femur to be exact, and they hoist him out of there and up the cliff. Captain Wilco, a captain of the clone forces, or now I guess turning stormtroopers, during the mission on Sereno with an uncolored patch, mind you, or rather a black one, is a hard-as-nails captain who wants proper confirmation that the thieves are dead or found. And this is very unlike Rampart, who just kind of signed them off as being dead without really confirming. And we'll see that more to the end of this video, which I think was probably the most important thing from the first two episodes here, which really kind of dives into the future of the clones, the future of the episode and the Empire, and their overall transition into stormtroopers and how expendable the clones really were. Omega, Echo, and Tech hobble their way through the forest as they come across Romar. This is an elderly man, a survivor of the planet, who survived the Imperial takeover. He takes them to his shelter, which is really the only shelter in the area, at Echo's orders, and apparently there are many others there with him, but we don't get to see them. Hunter and Wrecker are watching the clones setting up a perimeter as Captain Wilco proves to be quite the intelligent leader, giving orders to his men. He would have been a good asset to the team had he not... Well, yeah, we can basically talk about that at the end of this breakdown, what happens to him. Wrecker and Hunter come across some old Separatist tanks, and it was really cool to see these guys again. If you remember these tanks from Episode 1 during the war against the Gungans on Naboo, as well as many episodes of the Clone Wars, including the very first one with Yoda. They plan to power these tanks up and get out of there with sheer firepower alone, a very Wrecker thing to do. Omega speaks with Romar, and he starts to talk about Dooku, which is pretty cool. He lived during the time of Dooku, and he's quite old, so he's about the same age as Dooku would have been anyways, maybe a little bit younger. He tells them that Dooku took from not just the worlds that he conquered, but also his own people, as he points to himself. Once Dooku left the Jedi Order after the death of Qui-Gon Jinn, he ended up turning Sereno into a part of the CIS, the Confederacy of Independent Systems. Romar gives Omega a kaleidoscope as she looks into it and she's amazed at all the colors, exclaiming that there's jewels in there. Romar tells her, no, just reflected glass. It's meant to make you happy, which is worth far more than any jewel. Now, this is beautiful. In a world that's taken all the money from him and his fellow people, he knows how to be happy without much at all. Whereas Dooku had all the money in the galaxy and yet in his opinion was a scummy, greedy person. Romar brings Tech a Serenian external hard drive, essentially, pretty much, filled with the planet's art, music, memories of his people, and history. And Tech obviously fixes it. Hunter and Wrecker try to power the Separatist tanks, but to no avail. They've been dead for far too long. So they grab a battery from one of the tanks, using Wrecker's immense strength. And the only way they knew which battery still had juice in it, my theory, is because of Hunter's ability to feel electromagnetic energy. So he could probably feel some of the juice left in one of the batteries. And, well, at least that's my theory. We learned about this ability back in the final season of The Clone Wars when they teamed up with Anakin on Anaxis. Wrecker hooks the battery pack up to the literal tank's cannon that he rips off and blasts their way out of there. So this is going to be a cool little Easter egg that they're going to be carrying with them throughout the rest of the season that Wrecker's going to be blasting people with. 
Omega sneaks off to the crashed freighter and grabs some jewels from the war chest of Dooku. As the clones start to approach them, cornering them in, Hunter and Wrecker get to the ship and head towards the rest of the crew to pick them up. Tech fights off the clones, cornering Echo and Omega trapped in the freighter as Omega drops all the jewels. Her hopes are to get the crew rich to buy their freedom from these risky jobs once Sid gets shut down, and mainly because she overheard Echo complaining about Omega ruining their lives. So there's a bit of a, you know, sappy moment. Echo assures her that he didn't mean it like that in a dire situation once again, and they jump their way out of there as an LAAT gunship approaches to blast them to oblivion. When Tech steps in and saves the day as he uses the Gatling gun to shoot down the ship and any approaching clones. Ramar also helps by pulling Omega and Echo up to safety with the rope as the boys arrive just in time in the ship to grab them. Ramar throws the kaleidoscope to Omega and says, remember what I said. So I think that there's more to this thing than meets the eye. There's more to this toy. It's probably all jewels inside and it's not just reflected glass. And maybe this is the payday that they needed. Or perhaps the toy itself is extremely valuable or belonged to Dooku. Who knows? This shows that even though Ramar didn't have money, he valued the fun and happiness that the jewels provided through the kaleidoscope rather than selling it. Now this is where it gets interesting. Captain Wilco speaks with Rampart, and he's told that there were inaccuracies in his report. Rampart informs him that the Bad Batch Clone Force 99 was destroyed on Topoka City on Kamino. He did it himself. Captain Wilco says he's mistaken as he says two of them were seen with his own eyes. So Rampart tells him that he must falsify an official report because if he doesn't and ends up notifying the Empire that the Bad Batch are still alive, it'll look bad on Rampart for not confirming the kill and just writing it as if he succeeded in terminating them. Rampart is afraid of Tarkin. He says if he finds out, then he'll be at risk. So either his job will be at risk or he'll be terminated himself. Wilco says he won't fake the report. He won't falsify the report. So Rampart shoots him off the cliff. Now, I saw some people in the live chat for the watch party, shout out to all of you there, saying that maybe Wilco is still alive, but dude, I don't think so, man. That was a really far and high fall. I think the guy is Wilhelm Scream dead. Now, in my opinion, this is probably the biggest moment of the first two episodes. Maybe the past season in itself. I think once the clones find out, if they do, that Wilco was killed by Rampart, they could actually rebel against him. Now, Order 66 is one thing, sure, with the inhibitor chip, but treason against their own kind, betrayal against their own kind, against their brothers, is what could set the clones off, and possibly why Cody says to Crosshair in the trailers that clones are starting to disobey Order 66. This is another reason why I think Palpatine wanted to replace clones with stormtroopers, just regular enlistees, because the clones, while they are obedient for the Order 66 and all that stuff, they still see themselves as one collective group, right? They see themselves as brothers compared to anyone else in the Empire, perhaps like regular humans, right? We have to remember these guys are literally clones of each other. And while they have their own identities, they did fight together in war during the Republic, during the Clone Wars, and they fought alongside one another. They built relationships with one another. And there's only so much that the inhibitor chip and Order 66 can do to control them, sure, against Jedi, who they now think are treasonous and betrayers. But 
against themselves, against one another, I think that's going a little bit too far and that's going beyond the reach and the power of the inhibitor chip. I think the love the clones have for their brothers are going to outweigh any sort of command that the Empire could put on them regarding Order 66 and whatnot. I don't think it's far-fetched to think that the clones will eventually find Captain Wilco's body somewhere at the bottom of that cliff and wonder why he got there and why there's a blaster shot in him. That or there are security recordings everywhere and perhaps some personnel will see it and a clone will be informed and then tell the rest of the crew. And that way we could have like a little rebellion inside of the actual empire where we could start to see the real reason that the stormtroopers came in and the clones were pushed out. Because in Legends, it was merely just Palpatine wanting sheer numbers and not to spend all that much money on clones when he could just have a massive force. Albeit not as talented and trained as clones were, but just a bigger number of troopers, which is what he wanted. He thought, you know, that would intimidate more of the galaxy if you have more stormtroopers around, sort of like security guards. Thanks for watching today's breakdown. I hope you enjoyed it. Leave a like on your way out and I'll see you guys in the next video. Let me know your thoughts down below. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you always.